0: promotional consideration for growing greater philadelphia provided by citizens bank drexel university and the general building contractors association
1: this is the growing greater philadelphia podcast bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the growing greater philadelphia radio
0: program now
2: here's
1: matt cabry
0: Tell us what GeoSwap actually is. Yeah, sure. So um, let's think of how, how we want to do this. So the new, so we have a new business model now. So we've recently changed from a little while ago, um, or kind of congruently with what we did in the past. Um, so now we're really focused on creating this giant database of events. So we created these web crawlers, kind of similar to Google, that they can go on, they crawl the Internet, they land on web pages, and they can pull the events from all these HTML pages. So now we have this giant database of events, everything from yoga, in the park, what's happening at the big stadiums down in South Philly. Um, large ticketed events, basically every kind of event that's going on. We have a database from these web crawlers, um, and then we sell it to advertising companies who want to target people that go to events, um, social apps who want to you know, have an events page somewhere in their interface. Um, so now we're licensing out these events for, for, different, for different needs. Um, but before that, we were a mobile app that aggregated all the events in an area, and we kind of realized that our secret sauce was these web crawlers that we had. So how's that different from... Everything
2: in one kind of geographic area to where you are now with your business model. Does it give you
0: more space, if you will, Mm -hmm. to cover? Yeah, it does. When we had the mobile app, we were kind of refined to... Just where we wanted to advertise the mobile app in, so we were very focused in Delaware, a little bit of Philadelphia, a little bit of New York City, uh, where we wanted people to download the app to see what was going on. But now that we kind of, we, we still have the app and we're still using it. Um, but now that we kind of shifted our focus a little bit, it allows us to expand our web crawlers ac- across the continental United States. So now we can have a huge breadth of events, uh, still with that same granularity, but allows us to expand pretty much all across the United States for people who want to have access to this, you know, event database.
2: All because of the
0: technology
2: that that your teams employed Basically, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, take us back to um, you know, kind of the conception phase. You know, how did you come up with the idea for mm-hmm. this um, approach to, um, I guess, really aggregating information that allows people
0: to engage in different events? Yeah, great. So, it's an actually interesting story, and it certainly didn't start out like that. And I think you find that a lot with startups that the you know the the kind of end idea doesn't just begin from where you started at. Um, So, it started with the idea of geofencing digital content, and this is back when we had the app. And we didn't necessarily have a specific plan for this technology. We just thought it was like a cool application. Imagine like showing up in a location, you could unlock, you know, the. The songs at an, art, at an artist's concert. Uh, you go to a, a, sh- a show, and you can get uh, you can buy tickets or clothes right on your phone. So, geofencing digital content in physical locations was the initial idea. And then, when Keith and Jordan jumped on the team, we kind of found out that unique applications to this could be showing people what's going on in your area, uh, like food specials. You show up to the restaurant, and you can unlock a coupon. Uh, you go to a sporting event, and you can get more information about it. So now we kind of started going the events direction, and then. As a result of going the, the, the events direction with the app, we started developing these web crawlers. And that's kind of how they started to transform um, from the mobile app into just being really really heavy on these web crawlers that can pull these unstructured events from web pages. Um, so it kind of transitioned out into, as a necessity for what the app was doing, um, but wasn't necessarily the, the direct you know, initial product.
2: And the, the web crawler concept... Mm-hmm. Um, Events that are being pulled in, they may not even know, or I should say the event coordinators Mm -hmm. or organizers may not even know that event
0: is being pulled into your web crawler. Is that -hmm. that fair? Yeah, it it may be the case. Yeah, they may not know. Uh, They don't have to explicitly say consent. We can just kind of pull it in from the public domain of the web. Right, they're not requesting it. Yeah, right. Yeah, if if they do, some some will. So some can take it down. So if you don't want your, you know, your event displayed or part of the network, you just shoot us an email and we we take it down. And some will say, "Hey, how do we get our event on there?" Yeah, some do. A lot do. Yeah. Um, Certainly the case. And is that part of your business model? I mean, um, how do you generate revenue, I guess, is a good way to ask it. Yeah, sure. So with the new business model, model now, uh, we directly sell it to these advertising companies who want to f- – so they have basically a, a large collection of user location data. So every time you open your phone, all the mobile apps that you have, um, all the websites that you visit, they're basically selling your location data. So you're like a unique ID number in their database, and they have your locations in, at different timestamps. So they don't know what was going on at those locations. So we match up our event database to their user location database so that now they can target with ads all the people that went to country concerts, for example, or all the people that went to a Taylor Swift show. They can now specifically pinpoint those people uh, with different types of advertisements that their clients would want to show them. Um, so that's how we end up making them. we license out that event data so that they can create new audiences to target in the marketing. Gotcha. And more eyeballs on their clients' mm-hmm. ads. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. More sense. eyeballs, more targeted eyeballs for people who are have a higher chance of
2: converting. Right. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk a little bit about being an entrepreneur. Did you imagine being an entrepreneur sometime in your life? Uh, you know, I guess take me back to your freshman year at University of Delaware, you Uh, Go in with this mindset, I think, of Mm -hmm. being uh, on a track related to biomedical engineering. But was entrepreneurship always kind of like in the back of your mind or did you stumble into it and say, hey, let's let's run with this?
0: Yeah, good question. So it, it was always kind of in the forefront. I always knew I wanted to do something, never really sure what it was going to be. So it ended up just, you know, freshman, sophomore, even you know, a little bit of junior, just kind of taking random ideas and running with them. Uh, I did some research in the lab, and like three weeks later, I had a quote unquote company, not necessarily, that, you know, it was 3D printing organs. Like I you couldn't even really do it, but like I just like made it up. And then like we were doing um, landscaping in the local developments. I had some people working for me that were helping up the neighborhood families do their do their landscaping and mulching in the spring. So it just like kind of always, random odd jobs, but nothing really solidified until GeoSwap kind of came about. Great.
2: I have one more question for you, and then I'm going to shift to Keith yeah. for a little bit as well. Um, take me back to this, you know, how did you go from concept to reality? Mm-hmm. And, and how long has GeoSwap been in existence? And I guess I would talk about it in terms of, A, GeoSwap was established X year or X month and year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then talk a little bit about how you went from you know, this, this idea Mm -hmm. uh, to the process of coming up with a name Mm -hmm. and launching uh, and and really generating revenue.
0: Yeah, sure. So yeah, definitely a long process. So I was fortunate enough to work um, in a private, uh, private equity company going into my junior year. I worked in it sophomore into, into my junior year. And at the end of that, I was able to pitch them on this idea of geofencing digital content and the initial concept of GeoSwap. Um, and they really liked it. They saw a lot of potential there, so they they jumped on board. They invested into the company. And that allowed us to get our initial product on the off the ground. At that point, I didn't have Keith, who's an amazing developer, or Jordan. So it was really just myself. And uh, so I, it allowed us to get an initial product. And from there, we started doing a lot of customer discovery interviews, kind of figuring out what people wanted, morphing the app. Um, and then we got involved with the University of Delaware's Horn Program, or... Uh, Horn Entrepreneurship, rather, excuse me. <laughs> they recently changed their name. And they they really just kind of kicked us in overdrive, put us in overdrive. Um, they brought us into a program called the Summer Founders, which is where Jordan and Keith uh, met my, met myself uh, and became a part of GeoSwap. And that's where we really went out into the market and kind of figured out what problems we could really solve with this technology, see who really wanted it, determine how much they were willing to pay for something like this. And that's what really kind of kicked it up into a business as opposed to just an idea. That's
2: great. Let me uh, let me turn our attention over to, to Keith Doggett, right? Yep. Uh, and Keith, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and uh, how you found yourself at the University of Delaware.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Chestnut Hill, uh, right in Philly. Well, kind of <laughs> close to the edge, but I uh, grew up in Chestnut Hill, went to school in Philly, uh, and then later the suburbs around there. And both of my parents had actually gone to University of Delaware. Uh, so I'm a double Dell, I guess they call it. <laughs> um, so... Actually, when the decision came down to it, I knew I was going to be doing some sort of engineering. uh, And I had gotten into Delaware and McGill University in Montreal. And it kind of came down to like the last minute, had to decide between one or two of them. uh, And I went with the, uh, I guess, the more (laughs) safer option at Delaware instead of going up to Canada for four years. Um, But yeah, ended up at Delaware my freshman year. Don't regret it at all. But yeah, I met Jordan. He was on my freshman floor. and then after that, I mean, I met Jason my freshman year as well from uh, classes. And, yeah, that's kind of a bit of my background. I was started as a chemical engineer and graduated with a degree in electrical engineering. Uh, and, yep, now that's we're great. Here doing this.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. And uh, you probably did make a really good choice seeing that you were a double Dell uh, <laughs> legacy, if you will, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you had referenced this, but I want you to dive into a little bit more. Uh, that first time that you met Jason and Jordan.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Jordan. Well, I mean, was it just
2: a passing, or or did you feel like, hey, these guys are pretty cool? I want to get to know them a little bit more.
1: Yeah, uh, so Jordan lived five doors down from me on my freshman floor, so I saw him a lot, um, and he was definitely part of like the group of people that I hung out with a lot freshman year all the way up until senior year. Um, and, yeah, I was immediately really good friends with him, and we were hanging out a lot. And Jason was kind of just the really tall guy in my engineering classes. Um, and I knew him, and we had talked sometimes, but not really that much until we had uh, seen each other a lot, at the summer founders program, um, the summer of our junior year. But, yeah, Jordan and me immediately were really good friends, and then later on uh, became a lot better friends with Jason, and we started you know, working together a lot more. So,
2: University of Delaware's Horn Entrepreneurship Program, Mm -hmm. Um, talk with us a little bit more about that and how you saw the GeoSwap opportunity as kind of a
1: catalyst to where you are today. Yep. So, Horn Entrepreneurship is this entrepreneurship program at the University of Delaware. It was around, I guess, since my freshman year, but they really revamped it starting the winter that year, and they got their own building off campus that they owned, and is not technically university-owned, uh, and just like a really nice co-working space where students can go. Uh, and Jordan was really interested in that. I actually wasn't super interested in entrepreneurship when I came into the university, um, but after my freshman summer, I became more interested in it after having an internship. So I started going there a lot more with Jordan, Uh, And then our sophomore year, we had started working on a project that was basically uh, STEM coursework help. So we were finding that a lot of our friends were dropping out of the major. And our suspicion was that they didn't really have a lot of practice. Uh, So that's kind of what we were working on was just a big database of practice problems. And that kind of we got more involved with the horn program through that. And then eventually into the summer founders program, our junior summer, which is where Jason also was working on GeoSwap. Uh, and then we had basically had one of the finance professors sit down with us and like go over our numbers and say, like, this is never going to work, uh, which we agreed. So then we were looking at other options to do. And we had known Jason from years before uh, and seen what he was doing and thought it was really interesting. So we joined with him and then kind of formalized the company from there. I had been working on it since then.
2: So your business plan, if you will, and your conceptualization was really built at the Horn School of Entrepreneurship at the University of Delaware.
1: Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Definitely a lot of what we know, most of what we know is from there. And a lot of the interactions we have with entrepreneurs, whether it's other students or people that are alumni of the university or just connected with the university, came through there. Uh, and it was huge in teaching us, I mean— how to do sales and like come up with a business model and just like pretty much everything that you never really think about like you can come up with the idea but then actually getting it out to something that's a real product they uh they helped a lot with and definitely all the people there uh Vince DeFelice who I mean he t- we talk with him all the time still he's the director of student uh ventures there has been so helpful and like he'll call us whenever we need uh, and give us some advice so yeah they've been so helpful uh, talk with us a little bit more about GeoSwap. I, mm-hmm. I know I asked this
2: question previously, but I want to hear your your definition of it. How do you describe GeoSwap?
1: Yeah, so GeoSwap I, in its current state is a national events database that's queryable, so you can put in kind of any string that you want, or you know, kind of like you would search Google and get events related to that on a nationwide scale, uh, historical and future. And we aggregate all that through our proprietary web crawlers. Uh, I'm a little more on the engineering side, so that probably sounded a little more technical than Jason's, but I guess that's how I would try to simply describe it. As uh, we have those crawlers that Jason had mentioned, and we aggregate all these events, we're able to identify them on any random web page that we see, categorize them, clean them up, and then add them to our database for uh, future use. And take us inside a conversation
2: that you might have with a, a business, maybe it's a prospective client or um, a business that is considering some way of um, maximizing uh, their presence through Geoswap. How, how do you talk with them about what you can offer them and how you can help them?:
1: Yeah, so it definitely depends on what they're looking to do If they're more if they want that data about the events, uh, we would speak with them. In terms of like, you know, what do they want to do with it? Some may want to know what events are going to have a big impact in an area. Others may want to just have that to integrate with their um, their social feed on like their website, uh, and that can be helpful for them. But then, if they wanted to get on the app, we would say, you know, we have these active users in a certain area, uh, and they can display prominent things that they're doing on top of that. Uh, but certainly more of the focus has been to those businesses like the advertisers or the people that are looking for some intelligence around the events. Um, so they wouldn't necessarily be putting their own events on, but more accessing, just having that knowledge of all the events that were going on in the areas interested to them. Uh, so like one example is a local company that's a bigger brand in Delaware that wanted to retarget people that had gone to like the Delaware beaches. And we're able to know that and know what events are going on around there so they can... Send events to them, and you know, maximize their advertising presence based on the fact that people went to the beaches during the summer, and maybe they know that they go every weekend, um, like a lot of people will from Wilmington. So they can kind of play on that, and you know, target those people that they know are beachgoers on the weekends.
2: So if they're doing a pop-up beer garden, they partner with you guys to get awareness out about this pop-up beer garden that may not always be there. So it needs awareness building for that particular time. And this would be part of their toolkit uh, to get that awareness built.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would be able to run some sort of advertising campaign using the intelligence they got from knowing where people were with us. Let me shift gears a little bit on you. I want you to talk about,
2: was it hard to be a full-time student at the University of Delaware in the uh, Horn School of Entrepreneurship? And creating a company and uh, building the business plan and implementing everything that needs to happen while you're building a company or helping to build a company.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was definitely tough. Uh, I handled a lot of the tech uh, since I was the most technical out of us in terms of uh, computer science knowledge. So that was a little more helpful because I didn't necessarily have to be at meetings all the time. I could, you know, crack open the laptop at like 11 at night and work till 2 in the morning or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was tough, especially with. My senior year, I still ended up having a lot of engineering classes to take that would take, you know, probably thirty hours a week of work to do, and then trying to do another thirty on the company. It was tough. Um, you know, wouldn't always be able to manage all of it, but yeah, it was uh, it was difficult at times, but I wouldn't say it was unbearable. Uh, and certainly, I think that doing it in college when your costs are lower is probably more preferable to uh, taking out, you know. Uh, having to try to do it well you're know, quitting your job or something and then starting it without as much of a support when costs are going to be higher um that was super helpful but yeah it was it was difficult
2: yep uh, talk with us a little bit about Innovation 1313, because if I'm not mistaken, that's actually where your office is technically today?
1: Yep. Yep. So our office is in 1313 Innovation in the Hercules Building in Wilmington. Uh, we're in the old ties office, so we have a nice little private office in the back. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's a co-working space. They have two big um, open areas with tables where people can set up, plug in their laptops, work there, and then some private offices off to the side. Um, but, yeah, it's a nice space. They got, you know, good amenities there. There's people around that you can talk to and kind of see what they're working on, form some good relationships through that. Uh, and it's right in the middle of downtown Wilmington, so close to a lot of, you know, the bigger banks and legal offices and accounting offices. So it's a good location.
2: Um, and I want to come back to the business model a little bit. And um, you talked a little bit about when you're engaging a business who wants to create awareness. Mm-hmm. Flip that around for the user who wants to become aware of information. How do you talk with them about what this tool is?
1: Yeah, so certainly we're not focusing on that as much now since we're more on the business-to-business side. Um, But when we were talking about it, especially in Newark, uh, at the University of Delaware, it was a lot of, hey, there's all these things going on. Like, don't you want to see what's going on? And it was a fairly easy sell at the University of Delaware. Um, They were a lot of people are interested in kind of knowing all the student events that were happening or like what bar specials there were and all that because they kind of – it was that fear of missing out um, that we were able to play on and, you know, that seemed to work fairly well for us. Um, but now, I mean, it's still – It's weird because we have changed a lot to what we're doing on this business focus side for a lot of the advertisers, but the the kind of end result for the users are the same, whether it's us integrating with another social app, they'll still be able to kind of get that relevant information the GeoSwap app would have provided, but now it's sort of through our database, they still get that same information. So it's kind of funny how we switched what we were doing, but still the end result is that people kind of get that exposure to what's going on around them regardless. It's just in a different medium, whether it's through an advertisement or through another company's kind of event feed.
2: Yeah, gotcha. And I was I, I picked up on that as well, and I'm going to come back to Jason in a minute, but I have a couple more quick questions for you mm-hmm. in relation to, um, you know, what you had just described is your emphasis has shifted. Mm -hmm. Really from the user who's benefiting from where the information uh, or the events are taking place to the event provider or the advertiser of of the event provider,
1: if that makes sense. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. It's focused on the advertiser, the event provider, people that might think that having an event feed is helpful for their their website or their app or whatever, or um, advertisers that are interested in audience segmentation and kind of figuring out what types of people are interested in what is what we've focused on a lot. So it's pretty, like, what we have can be used in a lot of spaces. Um, and it's just, you know, figuring out which one's the best right now. But, we, you know, we have, we're working with people in different spaces um, and seeing it's useful in a lot of them, so. Right. And and because you still need the eyeballs. I
2: mean, you still need the end user to uh, benefit from the information that Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, right.
1: there is some sort of link between our data and the user, yeah. typically. So. Yeah, because yeah. if no one's looking at it, then... It's yeah. less valuable. <laughs> yeah,
2: right? exactly. Yeah. Um, talk with us a little bit about um, being an entrepreneur in Newcastle County, Delaware, the Greater Philadelphia region, um, you know, suburban Pennsylvania, southern New Jersey area. You know, at, at select Greater Philadelphia, you guys may remember I uh, Focus on the 11 county region being one big neighborhood, yeah. uh, and I'm curious uh, your experience being an entrepreneur in that space. Has it been helpful for you? Has it been uh, kind of a non-factor, or how do you describe that?
1: Yeah, it's definitely been helpful. Uh, being especially even the move from Newark up to Wilmington, uh, just you know, probably 15, 20 miles north, but definitely a lot more exposure once you're in Wilmington. It's a lot closer to philadelphia and when we have we still have people that we'll talk to in delaware but then going up to philadelphia is really easy you can just take the septa up there it's a quick drive up uh like today if we have to meet people up here um you know it's a good area if we have to go up to new york sometimes it's still very close to all that and there's a good community in wilmington and philly we uh we meet with some people at the wharton sbdc uh once every month or two uh, and they're helpful at you know kind of guiding us in what we should be doing or, you know, where we're at and some, you know, strategic decisions for us. So there's a good community in the area uh, and definitely a lot of people working on stuff around here. So that's always helpful. That's great. What's your biggest challenge when you think about uh, the hurdles that are coming up with GeoSwap? What what kind of keeps you up at night? What makes you worry? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it's a lot of the tech, um, you know, just making sure that it's all working and that we can get it to be the best as possible that, or that it can be. And then uh, it's always sales, you know, you're always trying to look for people to sell to, like, what's the most realistic way to be able to sell this? Because we have something that we know is useful in a lot of areas, and we've tried it in some, but it's just really figuring out, like, what's going to be the best area for us to go, like, really deep into and try to capture that market, if, if you will, Um so that's definitely the big challenges for me are, you know, the tech, making sure that we can make it as good as possible and making sure that we're producing quality results all the time. And, you know, it's as good as it can be. And then, you know, figuring out what's the long term kind of how are we going to sell this like long term?
2: Excellent. Yeah. Thanks. I'm going to turn back to Jason and get a couple more perspectives uh, similar to what we were talking about with Keith. You know, this is your baby, right? Take me back to 2016 when you guys launched and how you've evolved. Uh, and
0: now where do you see it going? What's next? Um, so either maybe like a more programmatic ad buying direction or maybe we just get really, really good at, you know, even boosting our crawlers to do the entire world. Um, so really just knowing everything from what's happening in Philadelphia to what's happening over in China. Uh, so being able to like now look at different languages and everything like that, still be able to pull those events. So there's a lot of different directions we can go with it, and it's going to kind of depend on what our clients are looking for and how they're looking to expand it. That's a, that's a great perspective of, uh,
2: um, you know, not just – Greater Philadelphia, not just the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, when you meet folks uh, and you're having a conversation with somebody who's from outside the region mm-hmm. uh, and you're thinking about the entrepreneurial community in Greater Philadelphia, what do you say to them and, and how do you describe why you guys have been so successful here as opposed to somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world for that matter?
0: Yeah, great. I think it's because we're so close to a lot of great minds um like there's so many universities within within 2 hours of you know Wilmington of Philadelphia um, so a lot of great universities with a lot of great talent coming out of there and a lot of great meetups as well so there's a lot of um, meetups that happen about tech where they talk about maybe natural language processing and then the next week it's artificial intelligence and you might even have like a web sc- web crawling meetup so there's a lot of great talent with a lot of people who are looking to get into this space who a lot of sh- who share ideas and you can learn a lot from them so it's a great place to be because of that um, it's, just, it's just a hub of a lot of economic development as well it was two hours um, you know, Baltimore, DC, Philly, and New York. Um, so it's just, it's just a great location to be. Doesn't get much better than that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you
2: know, I want to talk with you a little bit about um, you know the the great tech space, uh, but I also want to talk about, um, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, mm-hmm. kind of the mentor type role, Uh, because I had the privilege of meeting you guys at the Hercules Building Mm -hmm. at 1313 Innovation, Mm -hmm. and I know that's Paul McConnell's vision. Mm -hmm. And I suspect he pops down just to check in and see what's going on. Talk a little bit about whether it's Paul or somebody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could have been a professor from from the University of Delaware Mm -hmm. or another uh, supporter inspiration Mm -hmm. mentor type individual that you turn to, to say, um, you know, this is where we are. We're kind of stuck. Uh, where should we go next? Can we talk?
0: Yeah, we've we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of people fill that role for us, and Paul is definitely one of the one of, one of the greats. We, we see him uh, it, randomly in, in the office, and it's always funny. I'll always be walking by, like, "Oh, Paul, nice to see you," and he'll always respond with, "It's good to be seen," <laughs> and I, it always makes me laugh. But he he helps us out uh, very frequently, and he, which was awesome about him is he's opened up his network to us. He's he's such a well connected individual. He's been very successful in business, and he's always willing to help out the next generation. So that, that we can't thank him enough for. That, um, but also going back to the University of Delaware, like Keith mentioned, Vince Tiflice, he he's he's the guy we call Late Night, and he calls us Late Night too. Um, just bouncing ideas off each other. We're like Vince, we don't know what we're doing here. Like, what, what are your thoughts on this? How do we close this sale? Like we're, we're, before we were college students, you know, we had never closed a big deal before any deal at all, other alone like getting a couple bucks from your parents for the movies. Um, so just being able to bounce ideas off Vince and getting his perspective on how to close these sales and how to run the company and how to set everything up so that he, he's definitely our person, uh, especially and now that we're out of college as well. He remains to be that person. That's great. Um, I do want to come back to a couple of
2: things we talked about, mm-hmm. but um, th- this notion of um, being an entrepreneur in this region. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know if you, if you met a similar entrepreneur somewhere else in the world and they were saying, hey, I'm thinking of entering the U.S. market, mm-hmm. how would you convince them to come to uh,
0: northern Delaware or southeastern Pennsylvania or southern mm-hmm. New Jersey? Yeah, great question. So I think, you know, first of all, the talent space, uh, it's a good, good location to be. A lot of great talent around here. And also, as a startup, you don't have much capital. So the ability to live kind of on a budget, have a lower cost of living, but still be so close to a lot of great resources, I think that's a huge plus for us. Um, you know, we're, we don't pay ourselves too much. Uh, so being able to, afford, uh, be able to maintain the business and continue to grow it, uh, but still being able to, you know, live and have a comfortable lifestyle is really important for us. So it's, it's a great area for that. And what
2: are your biggest challenges? What keeps you up at night in terms of uh, how to overcome a specific hurdle
0: that you're planning for when it comes to the success of GeoSwap? Mm-hmm. Um, so Keith kind of Keith kind of nailed it with this. So I, I'm kind of in the middle between Jordan and Keith, so I can do a little of the technical stuff and do some of the sales stuff as well. So... Uh, technical work, and we're we're going to figure it out. There's there's definitely some hurdles we're trying to trying to figure out right now, um, and then also it, it is definitely some of the sales too, getting more getting the pipeline filled, getting people pushed down the pipeline, um, and always making sure that our practice solving a real need. Because um, some, someone might want to buy it, but is it solving a, a big problem for them, a small problem for them, and making sure we're getting the pricing right on that as well. So some of those questions for a startup can always can always be a little challenging.
2: Yeah, that's great. If you could
0: give a snapshot um, of GeoSwap. Sure. So we're GeoSwap. We're made up of Jordan Gonzalez, Jason Bamford, and Keith Doggett. We have an event database management suite for both advertisers who want to target people who go to specific events, and then also for social media apps or websites that want to have a feed of events in their local community. So we're able to aggregate all this, and we provide latitude and longitude, time, and event description Uh, So people can then know either who went there or show a list to their subscribers about what stuff's going on in their area.
2: That was spot on. That was really great. What's Geoswap stand for? How'd you come up with the name Geoswap?
0: Yeah, good question. So it's really hard to find a domain name that's not uh, taken anymore. Uh, so Geoswap came back in the day where it was very geography based. It was you know geo fencing, digital content, and physical locations. So it was like geo fencing and then also swapping out of information. So that was kind of how Geoswap uh, originally started. And then the name still kind of fits because we're still able to get these events and they you know they have a geography attribute to them. Um, so it it's, it still works there a little bit. And did it come to you right away, or did you have like a little bit of a brainstorming
2: session where you and others got together and said, you know, let's come up with a name for this thing? Uh, oh, man,
0: I forget. I think it just, I think it, I think I had, I think we had the name before Jordan and Keith came on, but that took a lot of work. That wasn't easy to find a domain name that, that worked. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. You still playing hoops? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Uh, just for fun. Just for fun now. Sometimes at the YMCA, you'll catch me on the court, but it's happening less and less, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You could start a little, um, I don't know, kind of
2: like... uh community initiative that involves basketball and GeoSwap, maybe. And yeah. Get yeah. Underprivileged kids playing basketball and you could put it on your your uh, service and get people exactly. to come and support it. Get more people yeah, to come bring out. It all together. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, cool. Uh, Jason and Keith, thanks for making the journey here. Thanks for joining us on Growing Greater Philadelphia, our new uh, radio program and podcast to create awareness about the successes that are happening in the greater Philadelphia community. Clearly, you guys and GeoSwap are part of that and I'm very appreciative of you coming in and sharing your story with us yeah absolutely thank you so much for having us this segment of growing greater philadelphia is brought to us by the commercial banking division of citizens bank you know, the Citizens Bank team, they bring practical financial experience and deep industry expertise to each banking relationship. To learn how citizens can help your company reach its full potential, visit citizensbank.com backslash commercial. And be sure to check out all of our podcasts at radio.com and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. to Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia.